Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate, I want to take a little time to speak directly to the audience before oh. we begin. Okay. Audience, I need to tell you something that happened very recently. My, my son had a birthday. And Aunt Kate offered to make the cake. And as it turns out, my son is very much enjoys uh, the chess. The chess game, <laughs> right? as I believe the, the, they call it these days. The with, kids call it. With the rooks and the pawns. With the and rooks the... and the castles and the knighty things. Uh-huh. And uh, the queens and the kings. And uh, yeah, so Kate proceeded to create um, essentially... An Is It Cake realistic <laughs> chessboard worthy of Is It Cake, which apparently they did on Is It Cake. I missed that episode. They did. Yeah. They did do, but whatever they made was crap <laughs> compared to what you made, because what you made was amazing Aww, thank you. and tastes so good, and we are going to eat it for the next five years. Yeah. Because it, it was a lot of cake. It was uh, a cake meant for about two dozen people. A cake meant for a queen, <laughs> I think you mean to say, because well, it was lovely. For a king. For a for, king, for yes. my young son. So, yeah. yes, who was turning eight. Yeah. And uh, it was very, very good. And even the pieces were edible, people. The pieces were edible. Yeah. I regret to inform you, there are no pieces anymore. That's okay. They've been et. That's good. They've been real et. Oh, good. Also, I came home and there were, um, instead of two children in my home, there were four children in my home and they had all had cake. Let me tell you that. So... <laughs> It is feeding the masses as we speak. Good, the masses good. of children that aren't my own. I used to make a lot of uh, cool-looking cakes. I did one of, uh, like, a volcano, and there was I had dry ice inside, and Ooh. so it, like, b- smoke billowed out. Ah, and don't eat that. I had, like, I made a piano, like, a little keyboard. Ah. I did, yeah. You made a clown. I did a clown. You I did, did a clown. Angus Oblong, yep. Nice, yes. An Angus Oblong cake, yes. But was not oblong-shaped. No. Ironically. It was his face. It was just his face. Yeah. Yeah, so what do we do on this uh, this podcast? We here, talk Kate? about cake. Well, I can. If I can, I will. <laughs> if the opportunity rises, and if I'm the one who brought up that opportunity in the first place. We should eat cake on this episode. We should totally let us eat cake. Yes. That's what I say. Is the book about cake? Uh, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that a cake appears at some point, but I'm fairly certain there is no cake in this book. Aww. If I had to name the number one classic children's book that involves cake, I would say The Cat in the Hat. Where he drops cake oh, yeah. in, in the course of things. Then he eats it in the bath in the sequel. Yeah. Like, this whole thing, because cake is like four letters. And, along yeah. the tub, there's like a pink. Well, like... I don't think that's from the cake. I think that's just a coincidence. But maybe it was cake involved. I don't know. Maybe the cake is the source of all the problems. Let's the not most. think about that book. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about this week's book. And why? But why? Why should we think about books at all, Kate? What do we do on this podcast? Because we rate them whether they're classics or not. That's right. And, uh, and we say if they are crap. Or if they are good. And this week, uh, now I'm, I have to credit the internets for this week's choice because there was a discussion on the Twitter about this particular book. And I was shocked, shocked, shocked. Not simply that we hadn't done this book, but that we have not been called out for not doing this author illustrator. An author illustrator that many, many people are familiar with. 
And yet, for some reason, we have studiously avoided over the years. I don't think we've done a single book by this person. I think I'm pretty accurate in saying that. So, we're going to correct that today. Okay. Going to pull it out of my bag. There's a nightmare in my closet. Bye. Mercer Mayer. Mercer Mayer. We've never done any Mercer Mayer. We've never done any Little Critter. We've never done the boy with the frog and the dog. We've done nothing of that. We never did Eliza Lou and the Yellow Belly Swamp Monster. We've done none of that. And uh, and we certainly haven't done There's a Nightmare in my closet. I'm a little sad. Usually I like to get you as old a possible edition as I can. And I thought I was doing that. And then the book came in and it's a stupid, shiny, brand new looking thing. Which I'm a little peeved at because <laughs> you, you never know with the new ones. They might have changed stuff. We don't know. It looks like this is the original. I'm going to trust it's the original. But if any of you out there know and have any like sly information on how this might not be an original, uh, please email us at fusecadian at gmail.com. And until you do, go read the book. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's learn a little bit more about Mercer Mayer. Mercer Mayer. First of all, a dude which I did not know for quite some time. Just assumed Mercer was a girl's name. I did not know. It's a not particularly common name. Now, if you go to his Wikipedia page, you will find fascinating, terribly interesting information that has no citations. Zero. Not all of it. So I'm going to stick to the stuff that does have citations and can be backed up. As it turns out, Mr. Mayor was a Navy brat, uh, but he mostly grew up in Hawaii. He later grew up and, and went to art school in New York City. And uh, when it comes to this particular book, There's a Nightmare in My Closet, apparently critics were not fans. They, uh, they pretty much compared it to Where the Wild Things Are because the monster is kind of wild thing-ish, I, I suppose. Uh, Mayor and Sendek were friends, but kids, their parents, everybody loved it. It was very, very popular. It's had at least 14 editions since being released. And its publication date, uh, just in case you're curious, was 1968. It was apparently featured on Reading Rainbow. I would like to see evidence of this. I do not recall it being on Reading Rainbow, but maybe it was later Reading Rainbow. I don't know. Apparently there was a, a animated special. And uh, in this particular animated special, the inner monologue of the boy was voiced by Michael J. Fox. Of course it was. Uh, and then... The Nightmare Monster, and this I will link to in the show notes if I can find it, was in Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare music video. So that's fun. Uh, also fun, uh, Mercer Mayer has many children, including a grown son named Zebulon, which is amazing, and I commend him for it. He hasn't much been seen these days. I did the closest thing that I had to a run-in with him, um, because I have run into different you know, classic people over the years. Never ran into him in person, but I can say that at one point I was walking through his publisher's offices and I just recall, and you know, someone from there should probably correct me, but as I recall, there was a big sign over the fax machine with very detailed instructions on how to send things to Mercer Mayer. Uh, so uh, that's all the info I have for you. But if you know more Mercer Mayer info, please feel free to tell me. I know very little. Was it spooky? Nope. Should we have read it at Halloween? No. We totally should have done it at Halloween. No, we should. What was I thinking? It's such a Halloween 
not spooky, scary, only creepy. If, only if you count the random missing mirror. Tell me more. <laughs> I would like to hear more. So, do you see a mirror on the cover? No. What do you see? I see a boy for some reason riding his tricycle in his living in his bedroom. I guess he's got a lot of floor space there. Yep. A and lot of space. He's got a dresser and a rocking horse. Yep, and a closet door. And a trumpet. Yes. Yes. Also, a box of Kleenex, which we'll get to in a minute. I appreciate it because um, that's an accurate uh, thing to put in a child's bedroom. Yes. But then all throughout the story, there is a mirror on top of the dresser. There's one on the title page. There's one all throughout the book. And yet, for some reason, I can't figure out Did why they, they did move it so that the title could go over where what? I guess they must have. Again, this isn't like the first edition or something, so I feel like maybe some tweaking has taken place with this cover. I don't know. Was, I have no evidence of this. None. So first we got right. So first we got this missing mirror. Missing which, mirror. The case of the missing mirror. Next we have a highly unrealistic children's bedroom. Do you know why it's unrealistic, Betsy? What? Why is it unrealistic? What do you see under the kid's bed? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, this is like the cleanest, tidiest. It's creepy. Yeah, it's super... Maybe we should have read it at Halloween because this room just scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I'm very worried about (laughs) who his parents are. Uh, It kind of reminds me of the Goodnight Moon Room just in terms of like sheer dance floor space in the center of it. Who are these children with these like enormous bedrooms that live by themselves? That are painted entirely in green. (laughs) Yes, with the green walls and the orange slash peachy flooring. Yes. But the illustrations remind me of um, Alexander. And, and the, the terrible, horrible, yeah, no good, very that, bad day. Oh, yeah. It's got that very fine line yeah, drawing. Yeah, it's with the pencil slash pen ink uh, drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not yeah. coloring in the the skin tone of the kid. No, the kid no, no, no. The kid white. Like, he's white as a page. He's white as his pillow. Yep. White as the pillow that his head lies upon. But yeah, I just thought that was a very Alexander-esque illustrations yes well i think it came out around the same time going through files not entirely certain when alexander came out moving on well i figured this book took place or the story took place in the 50s uh the reason for that is number one uh well the footed pajamas with the footy pajamas with the open butt (laughs) buttons Ah, yes also the toys in his room consist of um You've got toy soldiers. You've got a pop gun. Yeah, the Brontes could have played in this room. My God. You've yeah. got General Patton's helmet. <laughs> okay. So I'll just I'll just tell you now. The, the actual date that this book came out was 1968. Okay. So not that far. I, I said 50s. Sure. Six. But the 50s were basically what we think. When we look, think of the early 60s, we think of the 50s. Can so. we bring back footed pajamas, though? My children both were wearing footy pajamas uh, this very past winter. Really? Yes, footy pajamas. Okay, maybe adults. Can we bring back footy pajamas no, for ourselves? No, don't you remember <laughs> when we were kids, footy pajamas sucked because don't you remember like that plastic they put in the bottom of the foot and it would make your feet like sweat? I it remember was super it, uncomfortable. No, I remember they would put on the outside so you wouldn't slide around. No, no, but it was also in the inside and it just felt oh, terrible. Maybe your footy pajamas. Yes, and okay, mine fine. Didn't. <sighs> fine. By the time you came around, <laughs> footy pajama technology had clearly improved. But when I was a kid, footy pajamas sucked. So this is what I don't understand. Right. So we got this kid and he's scared of the monster that's in his closet. So what he does... <laughs> Just like Bloom County. All right. So he, he'll go over to his closet, he'll shut the door, and then he'll pop back into bed, 
with his pop gun. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what it's called. That's a pop gun. When you right. have yep. the cork at the end we with saw, the last, string attached. Last scene, I hate to keep bringing it up, but last scene in that Cat in the Hat sequel. That was the last time we saw uh, pop guns. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so let me just show you something. Before uh, he, there's this one night where he decides to be brave. Okay. But before we get to that night, you can see his room has a box of tissues on the dresser. Very clearly. And then there's a trash can full, full of tissues, right? Huh. Yeah, okay. I guess it would have to be tissues. I was like, oh, that's from the desk. But there's no desk. So, so yeah. one night, it says... He decided to get rid of his nightmare, hmm. which is what he calls the monster in his closet. But you can see there is clearly an empty tissue box in the trash can, and yet there's a full tissue box. Well, he already he, he put a second box out, right? He, he used up the first one and put out a second one. Okay. That means he's using a lot of tissue, right? He must have allergies. Just just hold on to the thought oh, all right, that all right. he uses a he lot, uses a lot, of, lot tissue. of tissues. Okay. That's true. It really does appear to be the case. Okay. Hold on to that. I like him because doing... I have a theory. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Very curious. You know, I like his uh his general patent look here with the with the helmet back he's on. He's got his the head, helmet, yeah. he's got a little toy oh, a little cannon, cannon on his bed. He's got toy soldiers next to him. He's ready to go. So he's... he is part of the industrial war machine. Yes, he's ready to get rid of this this nightmare, this monster, once and for all. So what he does is he turns off the light, mm-hmm. he waits until the monster gets very close to him. And then he turns the light on, and boom, he catches the monster on <laughs> sitting on the foot of his bed. Oh, and he... I'm sorry. He's such a hangdog expression, the monster. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of Monsters, Inc. Yeah. With the monsters coming out of exactly the closet. exactly like Monsters, Inc. He's probably Inc. a trainee. He's clearly a trainee because he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. No. And he's kind of terrified of the kid. So the kid says, go away or I'll shoot you, mm-hmm. which he threatens with his gun. Yes. And then he, it says, I shot him anyway. Oh, oh, come on, kid. You gave a threat. You didn't give him a chance to like respond. And then you just shoot him anyway. Oh, I was going to say something about him growing up to be a police officer. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> to be perfectly frank. Yep. So he, yeah. uh, he shoots the monster. And the monster starts crying. Aww. Right. You really feel bad for this guy. Right. So you you remember that empty tissue box? Yeah. My theory is, is that he's done this before. Oh, crap. And that this isn't his first monster that he's made cry. Oh, man. He this just, kid's sadistic. He's made other monsters cry and they've Aww. gone through the tissue. They're going through his tissues. Yeah. And his mom's just like, why do you use so much tissues in the morning? Exactly. It's like the... He's the, not a teenager. It's like the, the dancing, the 12 dancing princesses <laughs> where like the mom's like, well, like, how do you go through so many tissues every night? Yeah. He's like, what, four maybe? Yeah, maybe. For footy pajamas, you'd have to be pretty small. Right. So, uh... He, you know, he's trying to tell the monster to stop crying because he's gonna wake up mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just that before you shot him, kid. It, it says he wouldn't stop crying. Uh, so at this point, I'm like, okay, so why is the monster crying? Is it because the monster's like, I have a name. It's <laughs> Gary. <laughs> totally looks like a Gary, too. Yeah, he's totally a Gary. Or maybe he's crying because he knows he's never gonna be as good as James P. Sullivan. I mean. I mean, 
Well, it's a lot to live up to. It's a lot to live up to. There, there's a lot of... Re- I, I have other reasons, other theories as to why this I'm just impressed crying, that you came up with Sully's name so perfectly. James P. Sullivan, yeah. Right. Yeah, clearly, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I knew that, yeah. the kid takes the monster by the hand and tucks him into the kid's bed. Okay. What, the kid's going to go through the closet now? Like, what's that? Nope, the kid's going to go back to the closet door and shut it. All right. Which makes the monster happy. Okay. Maybe like, there's some maybe he's afraid of his own boss. Yeah, maybe yeah. the kid's like, Okay, you're gonna live with me now and you don't have to go back home to your, you know, abusive father sure. who, who thought that you were gonna be the best monster in the world and now he knows that he can't even scare a kid and now he's so disappointed in himself and his dad's gonna be disappointed and now he's just gonna live with this kid Boy, you've, forever. You've really thought this through. I have. You really have. Yep, so now the kid and the monster. Oh, and the monster was sharing a bed. Yeah. That's not a very big bed. No, it's, it's a not. very big monster. You know what the monster looks like? Kind of looks like Lon Chaney. <laughs> Got a little bit of Lon Chaney about him. Okay. Yeah. I guess the ears. I'm gonna call him Lon. <laughs> So it, the book ends with the kid saying, I suppose there's another nightmare in my closet, but my bed's not big enough for three. And then you turn Fair the point. page and there's another monster <laughs> coming out. But here, here it is. This is actually the monster's dad coming out to see how his monster son did oh, crap. on his first job. Oh, crap. This cannot go well. And it turns out he's actually really proud that Aww. his monster tried, his little baby monster tried his best. And now... Look, that's a proud papa face, if ever I saw one. <laughs> well, he does have facial hair, as opposed to the first monster that came out, so there may be something to your theory. Yeah. Anyway. I know wow. It. And that's it. That's the book. You have, you know what you've done? <laughs> you have done what every parent has done when they have had to read a very simple book a hundred times over. You've come up with an alternate plot line to make the reading palatable. More interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's not much to report about this, though, as I mentioned in my, uh, in my little bit, apparently this monster, uh, who you have dubbed Gary, yep. appears in Alex Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare music video. Oh. So we're going to have to watch it and see if this is actually true or not. Okay. Because I would have not assumed that this book would have been that popular that Alice Cooper would reference it, but... I mean, and now everyone. Now I understand why people watch that music video and go, Gary, Gary, Gary. Gary. Now it makes sense. I just like Channing Gary, (laughs) which is really fun. Ratings time. So I'm sure this is a great book to read to kids before bed so they're not afraid of the dark. But I think if they're already afraid of the dark, it's good to read. I don't think it'd be great to read to them if they had no fear of the dark and might instill them a fear of the dark. How many kids have pop guns that they can use against monsters? Oh, shockingly few. I think there's Nerf guns now. Oh. oh, yeah, that would make perfect sense. You could easily upgrade this to a kid with a Nerf gun. Right. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Well, it's super short. <laughs> super short. Um, I can't really figure out why the kid goes through so many tissues. I have my own theory, but we never mm-hmm. really figured out. Uh, we can't figure out why the mirror is missing on the cover. <laughs> and we can't figure out why the monster was crying. Was he angry crying? Was he scared? Was he disappointed he didn't do his job? I don't know. But so many questions, <laughs> so few answers. But it's it's a quick bedtime story with the very fine line illustrations. So I feel like my vote for this one is swayable. Ooh. I don't hate it, but I don't know if it's memorable enough for me as someone who doesn't have kids to read to it night after night after night after night after night. So I'm kind of thinking I'm a down the line five. Well, 
this is quite the moment, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the fact of the matter. Uh, I, we've, we've completely forgotten about this book until now. It was only because the internet reminded me of it that I even thought to pick it up. Uh, I looked through it, and I was like, oh yeah, it's that book with the monster in the closet. I, I didn't really read it as a child. Um, I did read some Mercer Mayer books, not this one. And I gotta tell you, not particularly thrilled with the color palettes, uh, with the choice of angles in the, in, you know, the different portions. Uh, I'm not gonna dump on it. I, I know that some reviewers did when it came out and were like, yeah, it's not where the wild things are, so it's not very good. I'm not gonna say that. It's perfectly good for what it does, but I don't find it particularly memorable. Um... I suspect that after we're done with it today, we will not think of it again. So I think it's a perfectly nice book, but I'm going to give it a 4.5. Okay, well, with our scores combined, it is just below a 5. under the line. Toe under the line classic. Not a classic. Sorry. You know what? We'll try another Mercer Mayer book. Maybe we'll find one that's a classic. Classic worthy, if you will. Sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary. At least your dad's proud of you. Well... (laughs) Some might say. <laughs> some. Some might say. Letters time. Ooh, Ooh lots of comments about uh, I stink. Uh, who knew that this would be such a popular title for people to talk about? For example, Mock Turtle 17. I love that there were 16 Mock Turtles before <laughs> she got to that particular name. Uh, she questioned. She didn't question that the garbage truck was the product of the Brave Little Toaster. She just wanted to know who the mom would be. Mm. And I have to say... Uh, the only female appliance or otherwise that I remember all that clearly from the movie uh, version, not the book version, but the movie version, was the tape recorder that sounded like Mae West. So that's my theory. Oh, okay. All right. There's, Could have been the sewing machine, but the sewing machine had a whole thing going on. Passing yeah. down gears to different generations. Exactly. Sure. Gears to gears. That's science, Kate. Yep. That's, science. that's genetics. Yep. Yes. Uh, Ursula Murray Houston asked, are those oil pastels or litho pencils? And I'd like to tell you that this is for the art. Uh, the answer is rather fascinating. In uh, I stink. In I stink. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't okay. Know. They didn't. They don't. They don't say. I oh. don't. I have no clue. Oh. I'm going to Look say at you with that information. I'm going to say oil. I I can't tell if she was asking if it was oils or pastels, or something called oil pastel. This is the level <laughs> of not knowingness that I am dealing with here, so I just, I simply do so not I know. So I take it you're not an illustrator uh, in any sense of the word. You are taking that correctly, madam. <laughs> I do not know. Brenna uh, said, OMG, my kid loves this book, and also Stinky and Dirty Animated Series. The Stinky and Dirty Animated Series, which is sort of based on this and other books. Have you seen it? It's a star-studded cast, including Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Jane Lynch, and Wallace Shawn. Huh. So there you go. Folks want to check that out, uh, feel free to do so. Sorry, I was distracted by thinking of different children's book illustrators playing Pictionary. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I'd want to be a fly on the wall to watch that. I'm on uh, the team of Nick Brühl. We have yet to get to one of his books, but trust me, he'd be excellent at that game. Okay. And then you could get Paul Zielinski, who'd just doodle the entire yes! time and forget about whatever it was he was doing because he just would keep doodling. Yes. Well, and it wouldn't be hard to guess his illustrations because they're very no, realistic. No, he would make them come... Well, not always. It depends. We might have to do one of his less realistic books in the future. He likes to change his style significantly. Hmm. But yes. 
Okay, everybody, you guys can uh, call dibs on who you'd like on your team. Well, I think that's only <laughs> fair. Yes. Grown-up things we like. So, you remember when I did a grown-up thing I liked that was meh? Yes, that's uh, sort of the antithesis of the entire point of this portion of the show. Yeah, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I... Grown-up uh, things we... Meh. Yeah, it was when I saw Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that's a whole lot of meh. Well, uh, yesterday we won Broadway and Chicago lottery tickets again. Again. For, for the third time. You're the luckiest people I know. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I'm not complaining. No, you no. Know, we, we got front row seats. Insane. It's in center. Yeah. Uh, to see Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. Which I love Fiddler. Sure. The Penguinologist had never seen Fiddler that's, before. That's weird to me. I don't even know how a person can exist without having stumbled across Fiddler of the Roof multiple times. I mean, he had heard lots of the different songs, like Matchmaker. If and I Were some... a Rich Man. Exactly. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, uh, so we saw it, and yep, it was... A show. It was like a regional production. Not... Is there any other... I guess I've seen a really good production, but... but... Is there really any other kind? <laughs> Here's the thing. If you are touting to be Broadway in Chicago. Right. I am sure there are plenty of male dancers out there. Oh, yes, many. Who would like to be in the production. Lord, yes. Instead, they had women dressed as men, Orthodox male Jews, uh, dancing, which made me go, uh, first of all, women definitely weren't allowed to wear pants. Uh, so having women pretend to be men was very confusing. The, the matchmaker and the rabbi were not nearly old enough. That's weird. Uh, Tevye had done it so many times. I know that this is supposed to be a grown-up thing I like, and I'm right, right, just, right. like, complaining the no, entire no, time. No, no, but... I actually kind of like the grown-up things. We... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, when Tevye has done a show so many times that he just speaks too quickly and, oh, and doesn't... He's just trying to get through the night. And doesn't enunciate... I, it drives me nuts because it's I'm, like you all know the word you've memorized the script right. you all know what i'm saying here yeah. yeah but it was interesting because in the bottle dance they do this dance where you put the bottles on your head mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be the slide on your knees uh the first uh t- take one of the guys had the bottle fall off his head and everyone reacted like oh i can't oh it must be oh. so difficult and then the second time the bottle fell off his head they didn't say anything. <laughs> so. <laughs> and then finally, at the very end, when everyone is leaving town, uh-huh. the youngest daughter is on stage bawling her eyes out. Wow. Tears are coming down. And She's not usually on in that scene. Okay. Well, everyone from the town is on stage. Right, you know, right, right, yeah. And no one else is crying. Just her. Well, she was just kicked out of her family as well. No, no, no. The youngest of oh, wait. the five. Oh, of the children. children. Yes. The youngest. Of, I thought you meant the youngest of the three no, daughters. Like, okay. like the 10-year-old daughter who's played like a by a 25-year-old. So she's just bawling. She, tears. Well, she's not like verbally like. Yeah. But she has tears coming down her cheeks and no one else does. So I'm <laughs> That like, was her star making moment, Kate. It was. Or she really stubbed her toe. <laughs> We'll never know. Or both. Or both. Anyway, as my one thing that I really liked is that there is this scene where there's a dream sequence 
and they oh, that's the and they crafted scene. these very cool like paper mache big masks Ooh. to go on their heads. So when they tilt their heads left to right, it just kind of like jostles. Oh, that's great! And they that's had, original. And they had people on stilts. Granted, they were drywall stilts, not actual stilts. But that's fine. That's mm. fine. But mm. but they had people on stilts, which I was like, okay, that's also kind of different. Yeah. I haven't seen that yeah. before. Anyway, so that's All my right. thing. <laughs> I'm done. Stilts and paper mache heads. Kate loved it. <laughs> she raves. All right. Uh, my grown-up thing I like is much uh, more subdued than that. Uh, my husband wrote a book called The Secrets of Character. It's a sequel, in a way, or a companion book to his Secrets of Story. These are books about pretty much the process of writing and how to... The first one is about how to engage an audience uh, with your storytelling. This one's how to engage an audience with your characters. Now, the audiobook of the first one was kind of peculiar because we got it in the mail because, you know, it was a physical audiobook and, and, you know, this is when CDs were still a thing. And I turned it over to see who was doing it and lo and behold, it was a, an actor named Eric Michael Summerer who was from the Kalamazoo area when I was growing up. I knew him. I knew him well. I was in my very first play. He played my brother. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so... That's so weird. Yes. So your brother, yep. who is weirdly not related to me, <laughs> even though I am your sister, um, you know, we were looking for the, you know, they were going to make another audiobook out of Matt's book. And uh, they asked him if he wanted to do it. They would have paid him, but that's just a lot of work. And it's really hard to do. And he was like, you know what? No, I can't do it. This makes me really mad because I really want to do my own audiobook someday. Um, but he was just like, no, I, I can't, I know, no, I can't do it. And so he put in a request. He was like, could, could we get Eric Michael Summer to, to do it? And lo and behold, they did. So Eric Michael Summer is doing the second audiobook and or e audiobook or however you. So if you'd like to listen to it, uh, you can certainly enjoy the melodious tones of Eric Michael Summerer. Of a Cal- yet again. Kalamazooian. Of, he wasn't quite, though. He was like something weird like Galesburg or something. He was not technically Kalamazoo, yeah. but Kalamazoo adjacent. There you go. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. So I've, I have noticed that I have been pulling a lot of white people uh, lately. My, I mean, this guy was I, as white as his pillow, Betsy. This guy was maybe the whitest person we've done in a very <laughs> long time. We need, uh, we need to colorize this a little. We need to get some other uh, experiences. Um, I could do, uh, another white guy, uh, doing horribly offensive stuff with Ray's, but I feel like we've done that too. I just want to do something good, potentially, so I'm going to try to find something Okay. that's not by a white guy next time. Idea. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy thought. Yeah. And until I do that, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fusing. Kate is a Fuse number eight production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our nightmare in our closet is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.